Students Podcast. My name is JT Stead, and I'm your host. I'm also the student and outreach pastor here at Redeemer Church. And what you're about to listen to was a sermon that was preached at our Wednesday night gathering from 6.30 to 8.30 with our students. So I hope that this sermon is encouraging and a blessing to you today. Thanks for listening. Over the past few weeks, uh, we have been studying the doctrine of salvation. And uh, it's been a glorious uh, time, the doctrine of salvation in the life of a sinner. And I know that right now in November, you guys are in the thick of it. I know I can notice that there's a lot of students that typically come that are not that aren't here tonight, probably due to homework and other things that are going on. So I appreciate you being here as we continue the series. And when it comes to the doctrine of salvation, we need to understand. I want to help you out here. that there's kind of three dimensions to understanding salvation. And it's really simple, okay? There's a past tense. When the Bible talks about salvation, it talks about it in the past tense, in the present tense, and then also in the future tense. And so my argument, and I believe the Bible's argument, and I hope that you've been able to see that, is that salvation, past, present, and future, is from A to Z, all of grace, it's all undeserved, and it's all an act of free, get, uh, free grace by God. And so what we've been looking at already, so far we've seen this reality by studying God's grace, the God, God's grace that he's given to us in the past. So we've looked at some topics like those whom God has chosen, he has elected, past tense, right? And those whom he elected, he called, past tense. That was the second sermon at Rooted. Third sermon, those whom he called, he regenerated, he made alive, past tense. Those whom he regenerated, he converted, right? By faith, I can't put my finger up there. It's really hard. I don't know if you could do that. Um, He converted. And then we looked at those whom trusted in Jesus Christ, repented of, of their sin. They were justified, past tense. And then last week, we looked at the doctrine of adoption those whom he justified he adopted all those things happen in the past if you are a christian those things have already happened and those are some of the most precious assurance building joy inducing truths for us presently today we need to remember those truths that's why we went through them they are encouraging when we set our mind upon the things that god has done for us and in us Now, for the next two weeks, we're going to be studying the process by which God, through the Holy Spirit, applies those precious truths to our lives and makes us more and more like Jesus Christ. The daily reality, the daily present experience of living as a Christian. And this daily present reality is called sanctification. Sanctification. It is the process. Sanctification is is what happens From the moment you were saved, born again, justified, adopted, to the moment you meet Jesus face to face and are glorified, which is the future tense. And so this week we're going to be looking at sanctification. Next week we're going to be asking, can you lose your salvation? And then the last sermon we're going to be looking at glorification, what it will be like when we enter into paradise. Okay, so sanctification. The first thing is, what is sanctification? kind of a weird name it's a long word but you probably know maybe you could guess what it what does it mean to sanctify something it means to set it apart to devote it um 
It can also be translated to be holy. And so we got to ask the question, though, okay, those are some good little simple definitions, but what does the Bible say? Where are you getting this from Scripture? And I'm going to read you, uh, there's different aspects of sanctification that we find in Scripture. So what is it? First, sanctification is an, an, a present reality. It's already happened in our lives, and yet at the same time, it's ongoing. So I know it's kind of... Both and, okay? It is definite. Sanctification has happened. This is actually, there's a debate between Lutherans and, Cal, uh, and John Calvin, really. Luther said, sanctification is already definitive. It's already happened. It's just like justification. Where does he get this from? 1 Corinthians 6.11, this is really interesting. It says, and such were some of you, but you, he's talking to the church, but you were washed and you were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. So did that, did 1 Corinthians 6.11 use sanctification in the past tense or the present tense? Past. Sanctified. So there is a, 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 a reality that those who are in Christ have been sanctified already. They, they are set apart. They are his holy ones. They are his children. Acts 20.32 also has this kind of idea, this dimension of sanctification says, And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. And so Luther Luther would say sanctification is something that has already happened. If you are in Christ, you are sanctified. But then Calvin, I think, corrects Luther and says, yes, you are right, but actually the Bible speaks of sanctification in more ways. So the second point, so sanctification has already happened, but then secondly, the word sanctify is a progressive process. It's, it's a, it takes time. It's, it's an ongoing process. It's progressive, just like the insurance, right? It, it's, it's happening currently. Where do I get this? 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Now was that past tense or present? Present tense. Good job. Good job. Present tense. Sanctify you presently completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of your Lord Jesus Christ. Now how about this? Hebrews 10.14. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. See, there's a process there. Even Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 says that he's talking to those who who are standing on the gospel and who are being saved. Why does he say that? I thought you were saved, past tense. What What is this idea about being saved? Well, that is the present tense of sanctification. It's an ongoing process in the life of the believer. It's your journey from the moment of new birth all the way until the day that you die. So it's something that's already happened. You were sanctified. You were set apart, consecrated, holy. You're God's holy ones, his saints. That's what saints means, holy ones. Well, at the same time, it's this process that's progressive. The third aspect of sanctification here is that it is a work of the Holy Spirit. It's not a work of man. Sanctification, the, this progressive work of becoming more and more like Jesus, is something that is worked 
in you by the Holy Spirit. Where do I get this? 2 Thessalonians 2.13 But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you, that's election, as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the working hard of your own will. No, by the Spirit and belief in the truth. By the Spirit and by faith in the truth. Interesting. Second Thessalonians, oh, I put that already. Why did I put the verse there twice? So being sanctified by the Spirit. Actually, in 1 Peter, I'll turn there for you. 1 Peter 1, it's really interesting how he opens up the letter. He says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles, all of God's chosen ones, spread out uh, amongst Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit for, what's the purpose of sanctification? For obedience to Jesus Christ and for the sprinkling with his blood. It's pretty awesome. So it's sanctification is this ongoing progressive work throughout your life that is wrought in you by the Holy Spirit. Okay, so that means it's an act of grace. It's something that God does in us. That God doesn't just save us and then leave us to struggle through this life. But he gives us the helper to sanctify us daily. The fourth aspect here, though, that I need to hit on is that sanctification, yes, it's already, it's already happened, but not yet, not fully. It is a progressive process. It is by the Holy Spirit. But fourth, sanctification is an active devotion to God. You are active. In sanctification. Unlike your new birth, when God, the Holy Spirit, comes and makes a sinner alive, you are passive. That's a work that God does to you, right? In your justification, you are passive. In your adoption, you are passive. In your election, you are passive. But sanctification, there is a a dimension that where you are active. Where where do I get this? Philippians 2, 12 through 13 says, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Basically, Paul is like, accomplish your salvation. That's what he says. That's literal Greek. With fear and trembling. It's not like fear, like anxiety, fear. Don't think about that. Or, or like a panic attack. It's more with a reverence. You're not cavalier. It's not a joke. There's a seriousness that you are called to work out your salvation. But let me finish the verse. Verse 13. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. (laughs) Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. But it is God who works in you. See, there's a both and, not an either or. You see, it's God working in you. It's not God alone and not man. It's not man alone and not God. It's not half of God and half of man. It's God in man. That is what sanctification is. It's God working in and through us 
as we live for him. Leviticus 11.44, for I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves, he says. Sanctify yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am holy. You shall not defile yourselves with any swarming thing that crawls on the ground. So if you have a pet snake, I'm sorry, you cannot do that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Some of these laws have not, you know, they don't, they don't apply to us today. But this definitely be holy for I am holy. It says, why? Why should you be holy for I am holy? For I am the Lord who brought you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I have saved you. I've redeemed you. Therefore, you should be holy. And that's the whole process here that we got to understand that when you are justified, you and when you're, you're given new life by the Holy Spirit and given a new nature, you will be conformed into the image of His Son. You will be changed. You will grow in your salvation, or sorry, in your, in your life. You will grow and become more like Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit. You don't Work out your salvation to earn your salvation. What does it say? Work out your salvation. You've already been saved. Therefore, because you've been justified, adopted, regenerated, all those things that we've already talked about, now you live a life of devotion to God. Three G's. Don't think of the cell phone. Three G or five G. Three G's to summarize the gospel. First, there is guilt. That's Romans 1, 18 through 320. And then there's grace. Grace, Romans 321 through 1136. Now, how do we respond to grace? Now that we've been saved, gratitude, gratitude, guilt, grace, gratitude. That is a framework that should help you think now that I have been saved, I want to live for Jesus. So, putting all these things together, what is sanctification? Long John Piper-like definition here. It is a work of God's free grace in which, you're not, if you're trying to write this down, you're not going to be able to do it, maybe, unless you're fast. It is a work of God's free grace in which his children, so we're already sanctified, his holy ones, children are daily conformed into the image of Christ by the Holy Spirit who enables them by the means of grace to kill their sin and live a life of obedience to God. Long definition. It is a work of God's free grace it changes us uh, in which his children are daily conformed to the image of Christ by the Holy Spirit and that Holy Spirit enables us by means of grace, the word, prayer, the church, to kill our sin and to live a life of obedience to God. That's sanctification. Now, what does this look like? Let me illustrate it for you if I can. There's so many great illustrations. I had to throw a couple out. But a great way of thinking about the process of sanctification, and the guys will like this, girls, I think you'll appreciate it too, is like a bonfire, okay? It's like a bonfire. And most of the men in here, who's at Rooted? So what about the girls? Girls, anyone, anyone at Rooted, you probably heard about this bonfire, okay? It was an epic bonfire. It was probably like 50 feet in the air. It was, it was incredible. It was massive. Now let me help you put this thing together to illustrate the doctrine of sanctification, even the doctrines we've already talked about. 
So here were the components of this bonfire. We had a ton of rotted wood, all right? We had all this wood. It was rotted. It was dry. It was dead. And that wood is a picture of the heart of man before coming to know Jesus, right? It was dead. And we piled it all up there. That is the sinner, dead. It won't light itself. It can't light itself. It's dead, okay? Then we poured tons of gas on it, all right? We doused, I think, five gallons of gas all around it, and we made a line like 30 feet back, right? And that gas is a good example of what Christ-exalting, gospel-centered preaching is. We're just dousing that dead sinner, that dead heart, right? And we, we move back, and then there's the match, right? There's someone that lights the match, and then there's the match itself. So, I lit the match in the scenario. The match, the fire, the flame, is a good example of the Holy Spirit. It's the fire from heaven who comes down and brings life. But God the Father is the one who initiates. He's the one who lights the match, who sends the Holy Spirit, sends His Son. And He lights the match on that gasoline, that gospel center preaching. And the fire takes off and just, it was huge. It was so cool. It was like, Foof! and that first initial flame, that is the new life, the new birth, justification, adoption, all those graces that come in, it's made alive. And it's glorious. There's so much rejoicing. I think all the guys are like, yeah, screaming. It was so cool. But only the guys really know what happened after that. So the flame from that moment, and let's just say all night is the picture of the Christian life, all night because it it, it did go out. See, there's always holes in in illustrations. But the ongoing flame is what sanctification is. It's the Christian life. It's the moment from new birth, the being lit all the way until we're brought home. And so that ongoing flame is what is the process of sanctification, But we all know what happened, guys, that were there. Slowly but surely, we had packed the wood in a little too much, and the flame started to die out. It it almost went out. Maybe it did go out. I don't know. I think there were some embers there. And isn't that true in the Christian life, that there is definitely times when the flame is not burning as bright? It actually reminds me of an illustration in The Pilgrim's Progress. Um, The... Christian is being shown by the interpreter this scene, and he comes into this scene, and there's this fire, this, this, this bonfire kind of thing, and it's just growing, and it's growing massive, massive, and what he sees is he sees the devil, the flesh, and the world is dousing water on it, trying to put out the flame, right? But he's like, why does it keep growing even more and more? And then he walks around the fireplace, and he sees someone applying oil to it, or like lighter fluid. Right? And that's the grace of, of the gospel, the means of grace. Right, But there is a sense in our life, and I think the Christian experience for most of you, yeah, you, you were saved. You remember that time when you were on fire for Christ. We use that. But then the Christian life, it kind of wanes sometimes, right? That fire isn't always lit. And so what you need then, and what we did, is me and Luke Avendroth, we took lighter fluid and we literally stood there for like 10 minutes just dousing it until we got it going again. 
which I'll get to in a moment. And God provides us lighter fluid in the Christian faith to keep the flame going. But before that, I want to talk about a right view of sanctification versus a wrong view. John, John Bunyan used that illustration. I think it's true um, of the Christian experience that many times we see that the power of sin, though it's been defeated in our life, it's putting out the flame, the heart, our desires. And we feel we, we enter into a dry season. We enter into a season where the flame is not lit as bright. It isn't as burning as hot. Your heart is cold to the Lord. You're still a Christian. There's still a little flicker there. And I love the verse in, in Isaiah when it says, a, a smoking flax he will not put out. That is talking about Jesus. There's sometimes when the candle is just smoking and it looks like it's about to go out. I think that's a good illustration for the Christian life. And Luther talked about two different views that people take. He called it one being a theologian of glory and one being a theologian of the cross. And they have two outlooks on the Christian life and sanctification. A theologian of glory, he says, is a Christian, are Christians who now that they have been saved... They would say that the Christian life is marked with constant victory, constant happiness and ease. As we climb the ladder of spirituality and become wealthy and healthy, they have a really positive view of the Christian life. And once you become a Christian, you're not really going to suffer. You know, you're going to grow and, and, and climb this ladder of spiritual success. As one writer says, it's, it's the idea that we're always moving up and onward. And the design of God in this very purpose, in this view, is this. The more we put in by faith and obedience, the more we give to God, then the more God will bless us. And some people have that view. They think that the Christian life is to look like Instagram. It's always good. It's always, you know, this, this upward climb. And that really is the opposite especially when we look at the cross and especially when we look at Jesus' life. The way to exaltation is not through spiritual success and spiritual climbing and your spiritual disciplines and your, uh, your good works and your striving and you pulling up yourselves by your bootstraps. I think the right way to view the Christian life is what is described as being a theologian of the cross, meaning that you need to view the Christian life through the lens of suffering and the cross. The way up to God is to move downward in humiliation. And I think the nature of the Christian life is more like that. I think that's our, our natural experience, is that the flame isn't always burning hot. And that's okay. Some of you that have a really sensitive conscience... And you, you, you sin against the Lord and, and you love Jesus. And in that moment, the flame is gone and you doubt your salvation, right? That is a, that is a normal experience for, for Christians. I mean, you think about the Christian experience is not one of triumph in this life, but one that really looks like Jesus' life. It's one of denying ourselves. It's one of suffering. And I think the Pilgrim's Progress pictures this really well for us. And if those of you that have read it, from the moment that the burden fell off to the moment Christian 
was brought home. It wasn't all sunshine, dandelions, and Skittles, all right? It wasn't a, a good Christian life. I don't know why I said that. I just think <laughs> the rainbow. What happened to Christian on the way? He faced despair. He almost lost his life. There was trial. There was suffering. There was danger. There was temptation. We, I think, instead of triumphant pilgrims, we're really, we're weary pilgrims. And when I look at Jesus' life, and I was preaching to the homeless on Monday, and it was such a sweet time. And you think of their life, how hard of a life that some of those people have had. And some, that they just have a simple faith in Jesus. If I were to tell them, you know, you should be, you should, you should be living the victorious life. Like, you need to strive a little bit harder. Look, and their lives are in shambles. All they need is grace. They need, they need a simple faith in Jesus. And I told them, and I, I, you should have seen the smile on their face. I said, what did Jesus' life look like in the final hours of his life? Was he climbing the mountain of Calvary with vigor and strength? Or was he crawling with a cross on his back? That is, that, is, that is the Christian life. It's one of suffering. It's one of pain. It's one of Frodo going to Mordor. It, it's hard. It's a hard road. But we're not alone. I think this is the right expectation to have. It's not an excuse to sin. It's not an excuse to be like, yeah, I, I have this porn, so I guess it's Theologian of the cross, I'm supposed to suffer with it, you know, or I just, I, I'm, I have this sin problem, I'm not going to, no, it's a constant life of repentance and trusting in Jesus Christ by faith. That doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. I think that's the normal Christian experience. For many of us, the fire does not burn as hot as we would like, right? At times, our hearts are cold. Times we doubt, our affections dry up, our sin seems to dominate, or we feel stuck as Christians. And it is in that moment you need to add some lighter fluid. <laughs> you need to have some, some lighter fluid to throw upon the fire of your soul. And I want to offer you very quickly, because these are all sermons in and of themselves. Five, oh man, I'm at 26 minutes. Five types of lighter fluid, okay? Five types of lighter fluid to apply to your life when the flame of sanctification seems to die out. And next week, we're going to ask the question, does the flame die out? Can you lose your salvation? I'm not going to give you the answer. You're not allowed to talk about it in life group. (laughs) Until next week. Okay, next week. Five types of lighter fluid to apply to your life when the flame of sanctification seems to die out. The first thing is you need to remember, if you are a Christian, if you're not a Christian, none of this applies to you. You need to be lit by the Holy Spirit through the preaching of the gospel. You need to trust in Jesus Christ. But the first thing here for you, Christian, is is you need to remember your union with Christ. Your union with Christ. That if you are in Christ Jesus, all that is His is yours, including sanctification including sanctification. What does Paul say in Galatians 2.20? He says, I have been crucified with Christ, past tense. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by works, 
No. I live by my strength. No. I live by my parents' faith. No. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians 5.1 says, For freedom, Christ has set you free. Therefore, stand firm and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. You need to remember your justification. You need to remember that you've been adopted, that you are a child. It is typical for us when we're in, in the pit of despair to look to ourselves, the five steps that I need to do in order to get myself out of this. No, you need to look to Jesus. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says that Jesus is our sanctification. He is your sanctification. A great example of this is when Christian in the Pilgrim's Progress, I love this book, you should read it, so good. He's journeying, he's journeying on with Hopeful, his friend, and he sees the path, he sees a, a different path, it's a path of ease and comfort, and he goes on this path, but unknowingly it leads him to Doubting Castle, which is run by giant, the Giant of Despair. And he is trapped in this castle for three days. And during those three days, he is beaten by the giant of despair. In fact, the giant brings out dead bones of other pilgrims. And he says, look, this is what's going to happen to you. This is, and, and he beats them even more. They're beaten and then they're put in prison in the dungeon of despair. And on the Saturday, three days later, he was sitting there with Hopeful and they began to pray in the dungeon and they prayed all night until we read it says this now a little before it was day good christian as one half amazed he broke out in a passionate speech just out of nowhere he says what a fool i have been am i thus to lie in the stinking dungeon when i may as well walk at liberty for i have the key in my bosom called promise that will that will i am persuaded open any lock in doubting castle using the key christian and hopeful escaped what what was the promise second well, corinthians 120 for all the promises of god find their yes in christ all he, he's chosen he's adopted he's justified all those things came to mind all those promises and he was able to leave the doubting castle Christ is your sanctification. So you need to look to him. You want to grow in Christ? Look to Christ. <laughs> you want to be conformed into Christ's image? Look to Jesus by faith. You're not only justified by faith, but sanctified by faith. Secondly, secondly, the second lighter fluid is devotion to Christ. Devotion to Christ. True saving faith without works is dead. True saving faith without works is dead. And so when you come to see the guilt of your sin, the grace of God, this will always produce gratitude, as I talked about. And the gospel is what moves. If you're having a hard time obeying the Lord, the gospel is what moves your heart to obey. And you need to start obeying him. You need to start devoting yourself to Jesus. Can you say with David, oh, how I love your law, O Lord. The law that once held us in bondage is now our guide. And so you look at the scripture and you look at all the commands for us to love one another, to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Does, are you pursuing that? 
Start now. I have a question is, what area of your life have you been disobeying the Lord? You're not going to grow in Christ if you are living an act of rebellion. So, you feel like the flame of sanctification has died out? Then repent of your worldly devotion and devote yourself to being obedient to what God has called you today. Again, God's devotion towards you is not dependent on your devotion towards Him. Make sense? You're not doing this to earn your salvation. It's because you have been saved. You shun sin and you look to Jesus Christ. Third, the third lighter fluid here. The main one is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Friends, you have a helper. Listen to Galatians 5, 16. It says this, But I say, walk in the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to one another. There's this war to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh, that's past tense, with its passions and desires. Sin no longer has dominion over you. So if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. You see, you need to come under the Holy Spirit and allow Him to lead you, to guide you. You need to depend on Him through prayer, through shunning your sin, the desires of your flesh, and trusting in God to sanctify you. Fourth lighter fluid is the sword of the Spirit. This is obvious. Jesus says in John 17, 7, sanctify them in the truth. Okay, well, what is the truth, Jesus? Your word is truth. Your word is truth. You will never grow apart from the Spirit applying the word of God to your heart. Apart from Sam, Frodo would have never made it to Mordor. And apart from the scroll, Christian would have never made it to the celestial city. You need the word of God. You need the word of God to wash you and sanctify you. Trying to live the Christian life apart from the word and apart from prayer is like trying to walk with no legs. You can't do it. Enough said there. Like I said, these are all sermons of themselves. And lastly, the church. The church is the the lighter fluid for your life. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another And all the more as you see the day drawing near. I'll leave you with this. Jonathan Edwards was talking to one of his members. And this member had not been coming to church. He had not been seen. And he was really discouraged in spirit. He's really just going through a hard time. He's dry. The flame had gone out in his life. 
And he didn't know what to do. So Jonathan Edwards comes to his house. That's what pastors used to do. Probably should still do that. Maybe I'll do that. I'll knock on your door. Show up. How, how, how are things going at home? So Jonathan Edwards comes to him. He knocks on the door. And the, the guy opens the door. He's like, please come in. And he sits down by the fire. And he starts talking to Jonathan. He's like, I, I, my, my heart is cold towards the Lord. I don't think I'm saved. I don't know why I'm struggling with sin. All these things in my life. And he goes on and on and on. And Jonathan, what he look, he doesn't say a word to him. What he does is he takes some tongs and he reaches into the fire and he grabs a coal. And he pull, t- takes the coal out and he puts it on the mantle and he just sits there. And it was white hot and he could just see it start to burn out. And then he said, I'll see you at church this next Sunday. You need fellowship. You can't do this alone. This is, why, this is why Zoom church is not church. It is not. It's, it's a cheap, I'm not even going to get into it. it it's, it's not church. You need the fellowship. You need one another. You need this group. You need a spotter. Alex spots me when we work out. I need help. You need to bear one another's burdens. Galatians 6.1. You know what a spotter is, right? When you're doing bench press. Yeah. So that the weight doesn't crush me yeah (laughs) the weight of life is going to crush you you need a help you need friends you need the church you need the preaching in fact if you put your quiet time over the preaching of the word as more important you have it backwards you have it backwards the preaching of the word the fellowship of the saints is more important than your own personal isolated communion those are both good things But you need the church. It's what God has provided for you to help you along in the Christian faith. You know, no one had Bibles before the 1500s. The only time they would hear the word is through the preaching of the word. That's why you need to be here on Sundays. That's why you need to be here on Wednesdays. That's why you need to confess to one another, walk in the light, grow together, and help one another, pray for one another. So, are you growing in Christ? Is the flame of faith burning? Or have you yet to be saved? Because those who will be justified will be sanctified. And this process is lifelong. Sometimes it takes time to work fruit. But I'm afraid that some of you, you're not really saved. But what you've done is you've taken live apples and you've tried to staple them to a dead tree. It's just behavior modification. Look at my good works, but on the inside, you're still dead you need christ and if you're lost and you're in despair or if you're a christian and you feel tired and weary listen to jesus's words matthew eleven twenty eight. come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and i will give you rest here's sanctification take my yoke upon you and learn from me for i am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light Just come to Jesus and he will make you more and more like himself.